What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to episode 109 of the Lombard Trucking Show. Thank you all for being here once again. Beautiful Thursday, uh, mid-morning, brunch time here at time of recording. Been a crazy few days here in Central Texas. It's always crazy when the temperature drops below essentially 40. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's a little bit of my a little bit of my northern ego showing the Connecticut dominance whenever it gets really cold down here. I mean, just yesterday, even still schools had a two hour delay the day before that uh, they canceled schools just because it gets really cold. I do understand some pipes burst, which becomes an issue, I guess, in some parts of this country. And for the most part, I know that children probably don't necessarily have the proper clothing because are you going to buy a hundred fifty dollar winter jacket for all of maybe where you may wear it uh, for all about 12 days out of the year. But regardless, uh, it's just always still kind of somewhat comical to cancel something just because it gets cold. Because you look up to our friends up in Minnesota or back in the Northeast, so, you know, it's that old, you know, I, I want to go to people and tell them that I had to walk walk to school uphill both ways. But, you know, it's it's good. Everybody's safe down here. There was a little bit of precipitation. I know that there were some some accidents with some semi-trucks on the toll road at 130. Uh, so no matter what, uh, winter driving for any of the drivers out there, anybody, just remember, um, don't listen to the brokers, dispatchers, if they're trying to tell you to drive through someplace that's unsafe. I understand around Kansas City and Des Moines, it's been really tough lately. There's been a lot of snow, so it's not worth the risk. I know you're not getting paid. It's part of the reason why I do this show is to change uh, norms like that, but it's uh, it's you're better off not moving that truck in that type of weather, but uh, thank you all for tuning in for the last episode. Crazy stuff going on uh, with state legislatures and the autonomous trucks. Once again, just want to reiterate, nobody's against this technology, not even Will Cook in America Without Drivers. It's just about making sure this technology comes through in more of an, in a natural course that kind of has a little bit of oversight as opposed to just rolling it out and uh, the, the way it's going. But on to today's episode, I was in uh, going back to F3 in Chattanooga, the Freight Waves Freight Tech Conference. We had a little uh, happy hour party at the Repower headquarters. And Repower is a freight tech company, not dissimilar to Truck Parking Club as how they look to utilize uh, unused assets, uh, specifically trailers, to you know be utilized by uh, motor carriers and be util and have companies get their trailers utilized if they're just sitting. Because even if you're a big carrier and they may own a lot of assets and if they've got empty trailers, well, those trailers could be moving stuff. And we were at their HQ. It's great, great building uh, downtown Chattanooga. And I had met some of the staff there, uh, including the two two gentlemen who are, who are coming up on the show uh, to kind of talk about what Repower does. So without any further delay, and they're, and they're going to tell their, tell their story as well, because it's important because people who work in this industry space always have an interesting story of how they got here. Just like when we were talking to Gnosis Freight and when we were talking to Relay Payments, you know, these people, the, the common theme among guys who enter the logistics space is they, you know, they kind of wound up here by, by accident or it wasn't by choice. They weren't 16 years old playing high school sports. And somebody's like, well, I'm going to be a pilot. I'm going to be this. And they're like, well, you know what? I'm going to work in, you know, trailers, you know, nobody, nobody necessarily has that dream. So it's always a great story to get that on without any further delay. I want to bring a gentleman. He works in the, for their operations team, um, Tucker Bean. I'm also bringing on the COO of Repower, Mr. Patrick Visentainer. So come on board, gentlemen. Welcome to the stage. How are we doing, team? Hello. What's going on? Doing good. Thanks for having us. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Patrick, I, I don't know if I, hopefully I didn't butcher that name. 
No, no, you were spot on. Just like it's spelled Byzantaner. It is a little lengthy, though. Perfect. Yeah. What what background is that? Is that uh, is that is that French, German? I've been told that it is Austrian. And I think it from what I've been told as well, it means like leather maker. So I think that back in the day, the Byzantiners were making some shoes and um, hopefully there's some of the shoes we're still wearing today. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's pretty that's pretty sick. But uh, yeah, that's that's actually interesting. I'd love to look more into that. But yeah, let's uh, let's get right into it. Uh, Tucker, you work for the operations team. But how'd, how'd you get to the operations team? I'm sure when you were in high school, you're in, you weren't like, you know what? My dream is to be on the operations team for a, a freight tech company working in in, tra- in trailer rentals. So, yeah, what's you know, what's your story? Where'd you go to school? How did we get here? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was not. Um, I loved hearing you say it kind of happens by accident. That's definitely my case as well. So I, I grew up outside of Nashville, Tennessee, a little town called Hendersonville. Um, I came down to a small college outside of Chattanooga over in Cleveland, Tennessee. And um, there I, I led um, Young Life, which is a Christian nonprofit kind of outreach and uh, that was what I did. That was like, you know, I was a classic business major with no real direction uh, or knowing what I was doing. I, I was getting a degree, didn't have like an internship or anything lined up. Uh, and so after college, I actually moved back to Hendersonville and started working for Young Life. Um, I went back to my old high school and I was a, a staff person at that school Um kind of feeling out if that's what I wanted to do. And within that year of being back home, I did decide I was going to go work for Young Life full time. Uh, And so there's kind of a application selection process. You kind of throw your name into the lottery for the Tennessee region. And uh, my name got drew by uh, the area directors over in Morristown, Tennessee, which is way northeast Tennessee, past Knoxville, up towards Bristol, small little town. Uh, and so I lived there uh, with my wife. We got married um, that summer before we moved and we, we packed up and moved to Morristown where uh, we, we led a, a high school called Morristown East. Um, it was fantastic three years uh, and kind of there was a launching point after the three year contract, if you will. Uh, of, are you going to go run an area or are you going to stay here? Are you going to leave staff? And uh, kind of made up my mind that I was going to look for something outside of Young Life at that point. And this was, this had to be like spring of 22. And so at that point, I we, we set our eyes on Chattanooga. And uh, I knew that I wanted to get out of Young Life and pursue something in sales. You know, tech sales were all the rage within what my friends were doing. And so I was, you know, on the hunt to go find like a, you know, SDR, BDR role at some tech company. And uh, so I was constantly coming down to Chattanooga to hang out with my friends and kind of prospect, set up some meetings. Uh, And I actually was on a boat ride, on a little pontoon boat out on the river with my friend. And there's another guy named Matt Pat, uh, Matthew Patterson. He was uh, one of the partners of Brickyard, which was one of the first checks that Repower received in their seed round. And he was like, well, I'll, I think Brickyard's needing somebody if you're looking for work. And I was like, oh yeah, cool. You know, BDR, SDR role. I didn't have a clue what uh, Repower was, but I dug into it and, oh, this is transportation. That's kind of cool. I'll, I'll see what it looks like. And 
about three weeks later from that boat ride, I had a job uh, lined up and I was moving down to Chattanooga to start. And so th that was my very first foray into logistics. Um, I lied on the application saying I knew what a reefer was. Uh, I Googled that right before that. And so, um, yeah, very, very green first few months of trial by fire, learning learning the swing of things, the slang of the industry. Um, but now it's, uh, it's been the best. It's kind of, kind of that bug, you know, your, your whole worldview changes on how you look at um, the supply chain and the things around you. It's kind of like a, the behind the curtains view of the country and, and how things actually work. You, you know, you stare at semi trailers going down the road and point out different customers now to all your friends and, Annoying my wife playing, uh, is that a reefer or a drive-in as we're driving up, driving up past trailers? Uh, so yeah, that's kind of my story up to today. No, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's called being being freight pilled. And I was actually having this conversation with somebody yesterday. Uh, I was talking on the phone with them. I was like, and even or what? And even my wife and I were watching The Sopranos yesterday, and it's towards the end of the series where Tony's really gambling and he's at a loss. And I was like. Don't you like that? All I do is talk about uh, freight and like fit and fitness and stuff. And I was telling another guy, I was like, yeah, if you see me at a party, all I'm talking about is like either Napoleon or I'm talking about or I'm talking about something having to do with freight and logistics. Like it's, yes. But it's uh, what I love about that story is no matter what. And, uh, you know, I, I always got to tip the cap and there's no reason not to give some praise. But I, I love that because uh, you got there because of God, man. You know, you you were working through. You know, you were working through, you know, kind of doing some Christian ministry and look where it led you. You know, and that's 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 kind of how God works. He guides you. You don't know, but but he knows what's what's best for you. So that That's awesome. Love. I, lo I love hearing that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so, Patrick, you're kind of the, the doctor. You're the you're the surgeon of all this. But I know we can't see it, some camera malfunctions down there in, in Alabama. But uh, what's what's your story, man? Where are you from and how do we get to having repower? Um, well, I just, I love Tucker's story, like being put on a boat with some people that he doesn't really know. And next thing he knows, he's saying he knows what a reefer trailer is. I can't believe that we would even ask that question. So apologies, Tucker, but thank you for lying to us. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, thanks for having me on. Sorry, sorry about the camera. I have no idea what's going on, but my name is Patrick Byzantainer. Um, from Birmingham. I'm the co-founder of Repower as well. Started a company with, uh, my best friend, Spencer Ware, um, you know, grew up with Spencer throughout high school. And we uh, we always talked about ideas. And I think that's one thing I'll say about him and our, you know, my relationship. You know, we we're always talking about ideas and he's never the person that's going to shut down an idea. And I'm never going to shut down one of his ideas. And so we always would talk and just go to dinners and you know, hash things out. And this one, and the idea of repower continued to stick, but I'll get into that more here in a little bit. Um, grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm married, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Lacey. She, uh, she's from Montgomery, Alabama. I met her my last year at Auburn University. We've been married now for five years. Um, kind of what got me into supply chain. I had zero idea, like a lot of people, um, what I was wanting to do in college. Um, but I had a good friend who was in the supply chain program. He was a year older than me. And he was telling me about Auburn's supply chain program. And so 
at the time I was kind of, I was struggling in accounting and finance and things like that. So I decided to hop over. I did a little bit of research and I noticed that Auburn had a great program for supply chain management. And, um, you know, I quickly fell in love with it. I've, I saw the, the need and the opportunities to problem solve. Um, that's one of my favorite things is problem solving and thinking about solutions. I'm an idea person. And, and that's something that I found in supply chain. Um, you know, it's similar to how I look at sports. I grew up playing sports and a lot of those were team sports, right? And you're always studying, watching film on, you know, preparing for a football game like Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. They're watching film, preparing for a football game. If they blitz, how are we going to react? Um, if you're going to face Tom Glavin stepping in the batter's box, you know, baseball has a ton of data and things now. And you want to know how to prepare for those types of situations. And supply chain is similar. It's extremely, extremely volatile. It's always changing. And so the problem solving aspect and the solutions, like I mentioned, I just continued to fall in love with that. Um, I'm a passionate person. I love growing, uh, goal oriented. And, um, you know, just like the team's aspect around sports, you know, each member of that team needs to have goals and those goals are hopefully in line with the team's, you know, overall goal. And they're trying to improve, but also them improving improves our company. And um, I think that we've done a good job of that at Repower. I think that we can still continue to do that. Um, but I look a lot at business and supply chain as I do and what I learned in sports. Um, so I started my career, uh, you know, I had to get an internship at Auburn. That was one of the requirements. They forced me <laughs> to get an internship. Um, I got one with a company called Blair Logistics, sister company of PS Logistics. We were all flatbed trucking um, and, you know, got to learn a lot. I, th I was thrown into the operations and um, I liked the people I worked with. So after that summer, I went back to school and I had some other job offers, but I went back to that company. And it was really because of the people that I was getting to work with. And um, I saw a big opportunity because they were trying to grow. So started working there. I, I believe I was there for two or two to three years. And I was on the load planning side, managing regions. Um, and, you know, I was a customer service rep, essentially, and matching drivers to my customers, which were shippers uh, and their freight within our regions. And over that two to three years of doing that, I just started to notice a lot of trends, you know, first being like, you know, how important and, you know, the growth of trailer pools and drop trailers, they're becoming a new norm uh, within the space. And shippers wanted to have the ability to load a trailer at their convenience rather than wait on a driver to show up. And drivers, you know, during that time, I think you probably know better than me, but uh, the ELD mandate came out. Was that like what, 2018, 2019? Was it yeah, somewhere? 17. Kind of really 17. went into effect in 18. I was going about to ask you what what year around this time you were working for, for Blair. Yeah, it was right around the uh, ELD mandate. And of course, everybody was very frustrated by that. But, um, and so, from that, I think that we saw a lot of drop trailers and trailer pool growth because it just made things more efficient, not only for the shipper, but for the driver. And, and so they, they started to kind of prefer that because uh, they're having to monitor the hours of service and they didn't want to spend their time waiting at a loading dock and they would rather just show up and 
grab a trailer, drop a trailer, grab a fully loaded trailer and get back on the road. The second thing I notice um, on the other end of trailer pools, there's a lot of times where one customer wasn't wanting, you know, they weren't using all of those trailers. And, um, you know, as a company that owned those trailers, those aren't being optimized. And there's a lot of times that they're just sitting and then you would have to dispatch a driver to go grab an empty trailer and move it to another trailer pool. And so I saw how we are operating and moving and rebalancing our trailer pools, getting them into, you know, better markets where we could actually put freight on them and make money as a company. And we would have to pay the drivers, we would pay for the empty miles, and it just wasn't sustainable. And it was something that continued to stick with me. And it was hard to talk the drivers into doing that. And, you know, I just, those were tough conversations. So those were two things. And then the third and fourth thing, I guess the third thing would be, you know, whenever the market was hot, the rates would increase, right? And the others, players in the market saw that as a chance to grow their business. So they went out and bought more equipment if they were lucky enough to have the capital in place, or they would source, you know, through leasing companies and be tied down to long-term leases. And, you know, by the time the equipment actually got to them, the market could look completely different. And you'd have to, you'd be forced to find, you know, new ways and how do we get this equipment to start generating revenue? Because essentially if a truck or a trailer is just sitting, you're losing money every single day. And then you have to acquire the drivers and have the freight necessary to keep them busy and keep them motivated and being paid where they can make money. And so, you know, I just saw the volatility of the overall uh, freight market. Um, And, you know, that being the last thing, just the lack of flexibility for renting and leasing options. The supply chain is extremely seasonal. And whenever there was an opportunity for a quick project with a shipper, you know, maybe I didn't have the ability to rent for one month or two months and we'd be tied down for that one year lease and just have to sign a long-term contract. And it just didn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense for a lot of the companies. Um, And so after that time, after three years of putting those puzzle pieces together each and every day, Um, I decided to try to get out of transportation and I went to work in the industrial gas business and sales. Um, That's my family kind of, they've always been in that space and always thought in my back of my brain that that's what I would do. So I decided to make that jump after three years and I was in sales, but then I continued to find myself. We were having to deliver products on trucks uh, to our customers that I would sell to. And then I found myself, you know, building out the infrastructure for planning those trucks and where they should operate. And I just kept getting pulled back into logistics. And then I started thinking again about my time at Blair and what I was doing as a load planner and what I was seeing. And I started talking to my best friend, uh, Spencer Ware, who's now the co-founder of Repower with me. And, you know, one day we were traveling in a car ride down to the beach and um, I brought up the idea of a sharing economy and transportation. And I remember pointing out on that drive, all the trailers shitting, uh, sorry, sitting at shipping facilities and warehouses and uh, just showing them all the underutilized equipment that's not being used, that's not available, it's not accessible to the rest of the market. Um, do they know that it's sitting there? And my best friend, Spencer, he just started saying that he was, he was seeing the similarities. Uh, he was in insurance and he continued to have customers come to him saying, 
hey, I don't want to give up this equipment, but the operating expenses uh, of what I'm spending on it just sitting here doesn't make sense. The insurance doesn't make sense. Is there anything you can do? And there's nothing he could do to help them. And so we're eager to do something big and and try to find a change, uh, you know, within that market and also changing our careers. And so we started talking to people, trucking company owners, and telling them that initial idea and where we are wanting to. And that's where we started kind of really building the vision of Repower. And the feedback we got was something that we didn't want to let go of. And, you know, we, we thought to ourselves, what is more, what's scarier, failing or being 70 years old and saying, what if, why did, what if we would have tried this? And we kept playing that back in our heads. And so we started meeting, you know, every night at Panera Bread or, you know, at each other's houses till midnight, writing up business plans, researching everything we could about trailers and just the overall market and the swings and prices and everything that's going on in the space. And we landed on Repower and we built that business plan and we had to figure out then kind of what the next step was. And we didn't know, but our backs were against the wall. Our families thought we were idiots um, and they didn't approve of what we were trying to do when we told them we were going to quit and go after it. But we believed in each other. And, um, and so it's important to surround yourself with those types of people that believe in you. And, you know, I believe in Tucker and I hope Tucker believes in me. And, you know, as long as we're on the same page and we can set ourselves goals to get us to that overall goal of repower, then that's what we want to continue to do. But that's a, it's a little story about me. That's an awesome story. That, that's what I was talking about before we had hopped on is, is humanizing that idea. Cause sometimes people think that these ideas are just concocted, you know, by, People who have, a, you know, who either come from money or they have a lot of money and are able to in this is kind of and it just happens when really there's a lot of nuts and bolts that went into that. It's crazy to think, number one, if it's it, it, and I, as soon as you said, you know, about being a problem solver when you had first started, um, like there, there's we I talk on the show a lot about how there's no there's no such thing as a driver shortage. But what there and there's definitely no problem shortage in the supply chain industry. That is the, that is something that there's not a there is definitely an oversupply of problems. So anybody who wants to solve problems or has ideas in the space should definitely get involved and take your lead. So I just want to say it's it because there's a lot of people out there. And I think from Tucker and I are friends with a lot of people who are all about solving problems. And just like you said, maybe afraid to take that risk. So I think following in your lead is the definite way to go. Also kind of going in, it is, this is, this is why I love having conversations like this because like you mentioned, the ELD mandate, something that upset a lot of people, but at the end of the day, and we can have that conversation, you know, over and over again and talk about ways to fix it. And obviously the hours of service and how it's, how the ELDs are, are enforced is a whole other conversation. But, you know, we talk about this a lot, especially with my friend Dom, uh, who, you know, who own, you know runs two low truck stops. And in life, you have to play the ball where it lies, uh, no matter what. You know, there's no going backwards. We can't just snap our fingers. But, you know, you kind of took what happened, the implications of the ELD mandate. Without the ELD mandate, there's possibly no repower. There's possibly not enough demand for what you guys are doing. And so, you know, the implications of something like that ELD mandate is now gave birth to a freight tech company that's solving problems 
because that's the thing. The ELD mandate caused the problem of the demand of wanting more preloaded trailers. Um, it caused more volatility in the market. Without it, maybe that there's there's might be no real needed demand for, for repower. And then kind of lastly, circling it all home, uh, having directly worked in that space, seeing that underutilized trailers or these assets, because it's crazy because you're talking about something maybe from five, six years ago about how when the it's really good, people buy assets. And we saw that happen with the COVID boom. We saw a lot of people buy trucks. A lot of people bought assets. They grew their companies based off of rates that weren't going to stay forever. And now there's all this, all these underutilized assets. And then you directly working in it saw that, oh my God, this is going to be a problem. And even though a lot of people are they, like, they're just going to either have to take it at a loss, but at the end of the day, there's still a way to make money with those underutilized underutilized assets. You're like, they're still going to buy the equipment because that's the thing. And five years from now, when the markets, you know, fire back up, people are going to do this all over again. But now repower exists to where maybe that they don't have to worry that much. And you're kind of what I love about this story is a lot about what happens in the supply chain is a lot of people say that it's it's 10 years behind the rest of uh, every every other industry. And there's a lot of parts of this industry that's still in the 80s, um, especially things related to factoring. And you're kind of forcing it. You're the guy. You're the catalyst. That's like we're bringing it up because of these archaic things like year long lease agreements, like all that stuff, leases, all, all that sort of stuff, especially with how much technology has changed with even down to Uber and Lyft. Why hasn't it gotten to the point to where we don't need to be locked into these long term leases or locked into contracts to where it could be more on demand, just like Airbnb, Uber and Lyft? And, and lastly, I, I love the name. You, I don't know who came up with the name, but that's a that's a million dollar name, considering that the like repower is what you because I and before I even heard about, you know, your company, I remember the first time I heard the term, which is when I had a breakdown when I was driving for Pam Transport, who I understand is one of your customers. And I had to get a trailer repowered, which is another yeah. truck, you know, picking up that preloaded trailer. And so like, that's a man, I think just uh, in value alone, you could sell the name of that company for, for big, big money. Yeah. Andrew Silver gave us a hard time at the uh, Freight Waves event at our party because the way we spell repower. Now, there is a reason why we spelled it that way, because at the time that second E was not available and it would cost a little too much money. Um, but also it kind of makes us we feel like it's different. It makes us look more like a technology company, which we are. And uh, yeah, so that's why we landed on that. And then exactly what you said around, you know, you had to repower a load like that happened to me all the time. And those are hard conversations that had with drivers. And then you'd have to pull money out of your pocket because they've got a deadhead to go swap trailers. They might not want to swap the trailer, but they, we have to get the load delivered. And I had to do that all the time. And so repower is essentially doing that similar, like in the same fashion of repowering a load, but we're repowering a trailer and we're repowering hopefully a driver or carrier's business to get new opportunities in the market. And uh, that's kind of why we landed on the name, but you hit the nail on the head. The other thing that I like that you said is, is there really a driver shortage? Like when the market's great, everybody talks about that. And I've always had that in the back of my mind, just been a little shy to say that out loud because you see it talked about constantly, constantly. But I don't believe there's a driver shortage. I think that a lot of times it's all based on 
you know, supply and demand, what the freight market's doing. If the spot market's high, why not go out and start your own business and work for yourself? And then, you know, then you can go back to the contract players when the market goes down. And that's where we see, you know, the changes in this uh, capacity in the market. And, you know, essentially what we're trying to do at Repower is take those imbalances and balance out the supply chain, provide opportunities, give that flexibility, because it doesn't make sense. Again, to your last point, it doesn't make sense to get locked into a contract. We have users today that have the flexibility to be able to be in a dry van and then it's, you know, summertime comes up and they can swap over to a flatbed and get the best paying rates where they can be more efficient and run their business, you know, more at a, at a profit, I guess. I, absolutely. And I, I definitely want to get there uh, in a bit and how and kind of how the benefits of that, because I like that fluidity, especially for companies who do who don't want to maybe because that's the thing when you're a small motor carrier, you and say you say you own a dry van trailer, but just like you said, seasons change and for a business to run you know, essentially the way you want, because that's the idea of getting in a business is being able to, you have, you have the autonomy when you own your own business. And if you uh, own a truck and a trailer and that trailer is a dry van trailer, like you said, it's summertime and you know, the, and you know, the business well, and you want a step deck or an RGN or a skateboard, you know, a regular, a regular flatbed, because, you know, there's red hot, there's red hot rates right now in flatbed moving all over the country, but yet you own this dry van trailer you know, and then your your only other option is well, I can either buy another flatbed trailer, but then it's going to sit, or I can rent this one or utilize it through Repower. Or at the same time, if you do end up buying that trailer and that flatbed isn't utilized, you can then use it on on Repower's. Uh, you know, you can you 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 can have Repower possibly find utilization for that asset for the smallest for the smallest business, which I think is probably the most. Probably the most valuable thing right there is the benefit to even the, the smallest carrier. And I want to get there. But you you mentioned, I mean, you are a freight tech company. And, uh, and Tucker, you can chime in on this, too. I, I do like want to know, you know, what is the role? What's the essential overall role technology plays in your, your company's approach? Are there any specific, you know, innovations or advancements that have had like a big impact on Repower or that basically certain innovations of technology are how Repower was able to exist, like uh, offhand. Was that Tucker? Is that you? Either, uh, either, either one. Either, either of us. I'll, I'll I'll fill in the gaps. I thought he asked you. I want to hear. <laughs> you um, some of the biggest, some of the biggest. I wouldn't call them necessarily innovations, um, but. A massive thing that we're able to do is take Repower's data that we are compiling month over month from users to where um, renters are. We're, we're getting all of this in-house market data that we are then able to take directly to new suppliers or leverage to go help out renters. But on the, on the supply side, we're able to then you know, integrate with their fleets tracking, whether it's Skybit, Samsara, you know, you name the rest. And we're able to then basically automatically say, hey, this trailer has been sitting for X number of days. We know that you like your trailers back in Atlanta. Would you like us to list this? And with one click, you can list that trailer and have it ready on the on the marketplace. And so 
that's a big part of, of what we're doing is, is rebalancing and, and following trends over the last two years of, Hey, you listed 10 trailers out of, um, you know, Mechanicsburg PA last year and they all moved for you. Do you still have, you know, are those 10 trailers back this year in October again? And so that's a big part of, of, of the value that we're bringing is just, Hey, you have these trailers sitting for a long time. I don't know if you have a plan for them, but we can help you out um, and make you money. That's the biggest thing is, yeah, these companies could pay for a loadout, um, but we're turning, you know, a $300 cost into a three, four, $500 profit. So an 800 to $1,000 swing back to the owner's pocket, all while we're helping, uh, you know, a single truck motor carrier or another fleet that needs that trailer in that market, their, their trailer pools out of balance. Hey, we really need five here for this, for this quick two week project. Great. Here they are. Take them here. Done. Yeah. Um, so that, that's a big, that's a big part of the technology that I see daily that I'm interacting with, with all of our, um, I'm, I'm way more renter focused, um, you know, running the, running a few different markets for repower Pat can maybe speak to some larger technology partnerships or plays that are happening. Well, I think it's important, like, you know, starting out, especially being a new company, what Spencer and I thought was important was we, we, we thought, and we, we, we didn't want to really go out and build the product first and then go say, Hey, here's our technology, you know, put integrated into your systems and let's see what happens. We started off wanting to, you know, really test the market, pick up the phone. How does a driver source a trailer today? How does the market operate today? And we did it very manually and we created a quick landing page that essentially was our website. And we're working on finding the supply and the demand and it's the chicken and egg problem. Right. And I think that in the early days, it was, you know, we were coming out of COVID, things were extremely dead, then the market picked up. And at that time we saw that no leasing companies had any trailer capacity to give, no inventory on their yards. The, tra the trailer manufacturers couldn't produce trailers quick enough to meet the demands of the market. And, you know, that, that became a problem. And the, the amount of demand that was in the market and new drivers entering the market, it you just couldn't, you could not produce and give enough trailers to support that type of uh, freight. And so we picked up the phones and we started calling leasing companies and yeah, I'll put you on a waiting list. I'll do this. Hey, it'll be two weeks, three weeks. Hey, we need you to sign all these contracts with us before we can even get you signed up. And Spencer and I were looking at each other after spending days, just trying to find one trailer. And we said, this is a mess. This is ridiculous. If I'm a driver in today's market and the opportunity is, unbelievable for me to go make money. How am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to build a business, grow a business when I can't even find a trailer that hauls uh, my freight? And so what we, what we do today, and so we thought that it was important very early on that we wanted to build our technology and our product around our early adopters. We wanted to understand and talk to our customers, whether it's on the demand side, talking with a driver, what is exactly what do you need to know? What do you need to, uh, how do you need to see this? How do you, how do you go about operating your business from a supply side? 
It is, you know, what technology, what TMS systems do you use? How do you track your trailers? How do you rebalance those trailer pools? How do you go about finding more equipment um, when you need it? How do you support these uh, drop trailer pools? And um, so we really wanted to kind of build around them what already existed in the market. And so today, you know, we're fortunate enough that we had those early discussions and our customers are early adopters and still new customers that are coming on. We're still learning from them and we want to make sure that we're building our product to fit their needs where they can, you know, you know, increase their operational like efficiencies and things like that. So today, in many of these trailers, they're equipped with tracking devices, right? And that provides owners with valuable trailer data and insights, whether that's location, the status of the trailer, if it's loaded, unloaded, uh, maintenance issues. And Repower, we consume all of those data points from the trailer trackings via API. Um, and so, we equip owners to share and manage trailers across all of their locations, uh, you know, the, their teams, their networks, and owners, they can mesh their internal trailer data with our market data for the first time uh, as of like, you know, a year and a half ago. And with the ELDs that we, we've been talking about, a lot of our uh, carriers, they sign up and they connect their ELDs so we know where they are so we can digitally match them to available trailers and uh, help suppliers on our network know when to list trailers. And we had the data of last year when they were moving their trailer pools. Um, and so now as a result, third parties have visibility and uh, the previously hidden trailer capacity and can request to access the capacity on demand whenever they want at the time they need it. Um, and just make assets available publicly or privately behind the scenes with their own trusted partners if necessary. No, that's awesome. So, I mean, basically you're taking in a way, and this is just me kind of thinking out loud, you, you just described the, the market challenges that kind of carriers face with trailer utilization and you're you by using your, your data because you, you take, you're taking data and also kind of GPS data and you're able to turn that around and give, essentially business consulting back to back to a carrier or even back to a, a you know even back to shippers and stuff on on where on when and how their product can get there so in a way you're not only just providing trailer rentals or you know trailer utilization you're almost giving them you know a little bit of fr free business consulting on hey this is a problem you have like because this is what a business consultant would do hey you have this problem you have this going on. You have X number of trailers. This is how you can use them, so to speak. Did you did you even realize that that was a byproduct of kind of what you're doing? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, all we're we're just trying to equip all of our users with, um, you know, certain data points and trends in the market to to help them run their business and um, you know build that collaboration because there's so many moving pieces and just one load of freight. There could be 12 to 13 different parties involved, 12 to 13 different, you know, TMS and telematic systems and things like that. And the data is very siloed. And so what we're trying to do is build that collaboration through our API first approach into their technology and give them, you know, better visibility into the market and, you know, provide 
you know, additional opportunities that, that they might not see within their own network. That's awesome. So you mentioned uh, collaborations and I wanted to kind of kind of touch on that, too. Are there any like specific collaborations or partnerships that really that that have that have formed that has enhanced, you know, the rental service on their end and kind of kind of how is how is it or maybe how have any partnerships you've you've kind of gotten involved with has affected, you know, the efficiency of your your guys operations? Is there anybody you, you started working with that kind of, you know, boosted and helped you guys get better along the way? Um, I would say, you know, right now we're working with, I think, 18 of the top 25 largest asset based fleets. And, you know, we're a technology company, right? But at the end of the day, the transportation industry as a whole is still very relationship based. And we want to lean into that. And, you know, as I said, we didn't want to just build a technology right from the get go, but we wanted to learn from our partners and really specifically those enterprise fleets and the systems that they have in place. And so I would say our, our, our most important partnerships today that we have that have helped Repower get to this point are those enterprise fleets and learning from them and growing through them. And, you know, essentially at the core, Repower has an open marketplace, right? Supply and demand. And, you know, that chicken and egg of finding the demand or finding the supply, what we found through these relationships and getting deeper with our, you know, these enterprise fleets and you, they have an asset based side and an asset light brokerage side that they talk with third party carriers. Um, we've been able to find not only can we get the supply from them, but we can also tap into their asset light side that has third party carriers and, um, you know, just a whole list of carriers that they work with. Um, you know, we can get the supply and demand and kind of benefit both and let all those chicken and eggs and the supply and demand play together and let all of them benefit from that. So I'd say some of our best partnerships are those uh, larger fleets. Um, and then just the partnerships around the telematics, the ELDs, and some of the things that we're doing there. We're now looking to bring in more uh, freight data to help us, you know, with our dynamic pricing and machine learning pricing uh, that we've built around uh, the trailers and where they're located in the markets. Um, and so I think that'll be fun to be able to uh, tap into more here soon. No, that's that's awesome. It, you, I love that you uh, touched on that, especially being somebody who's started a business about how no matter what the business is, whether you're selling vitamins or shoes or you're working in this space, the key and the crux of everything is building good relationships, building solid relationships with people. That's something I touch on. And when it comes to relationships and um, only a couple more questions for, for you guys. I know you guys got, you know, it's a bit, it's a busy, busy market in the freight world, but uh, kind of say I'm, say I'm a guy, you know, I'm based in, you know, I, I kind of want to hear your pitch on this benefit. Say I'm just this, I'm a fleet owner. Say I live in uh, Missouri. I own 12 trucks, but I also happen to over the years, I, I own, you know, 20, 20 trailers or so couple flatbed, maybe a couple reefer drive van, whatever. I'm just, cause there's a lot of people I've met along the, you know, from driving who they do just over the years, over 10, 15 years, they've acquired assets through friends of theirs getting out. And there's a lot of these people out there who've got trailers sitting around. You'd be, you'd be surprised. You can drive through rural Texas and you'll just drive by some guy's ranch 
and he's got three semis sitting and a bunch of trailers out there now you know and and i'm not and it's probably very hard to find those people but what's it what's the overall like benefit like if i'm that guy and i find out or maybe you're cold calling me like what is your what's your selling point on how that there's there's an advantage of renting this out what's what's the what's kind of the uh, how are they actually saving money instead of just keeping them idle? And say, say, say the asset they have is paid off. Like say I have a paid off trailer. I'm not making, you know, it, it, and it's just sitting idle. I know that maybe I get, you know, it's a flatbed trailer. I'm driving, you know, I use it for six, eight months out of the year. And then I have it sit all winter. You know, what's, what's the benefit? Because I'm looking at it, say it's my trailer. Well, what if this guy crashes? What if I rent it out and it gets damaged? Or what, you know, what, what am I on the hook for maintenance wise? What makes it, what's, what, how do you get somebody to be like, Hey, let us do this for you instead of just letting it sit because they've underwritten their life at this point too. It's going to sit for four months, but I'm okay because I'm ahead. So how do you kind of sell that to them? Tuck, you want to take it first? Yeah. Um, there's a few different, few different little veins in there. Obviously, first and foremost, it's going to make you money. Um, it being paid off, I love to celebrate people that have paid off their equipment. Um, I think that's such a rewarding thing um, as a business to finally be able to own it and not just be kind of a slave to that payment that is looming monthly. Um, and so that's a completely different conversation of not having to clear your lease payment, uh, any of that. And so obviously, number one, you're going to make money off of it. Um, and where repower comes in um, is while that that person may have connections locally that lets Johnny bring his truck and rent it out and they Venmo each other, or write a check or pay cash monthly. And if that gets damaged, then that's a much bigger problem because there's no real agreements. There's no interchange agreements uh, that are signed by both parties. There's no insurance being housed anywhere. Like that's, you know, a very simple way to do it and that's fine. But repowers value that you're bringing to a random third party is we're, we're vetting them for, for credit checks and making sure that um, their DOT is checking out. You can set the standards of what you want. Um, be your own compliance department. Say, hey, it has to exist for this long. Have these safety scores, no freight guards, whatever you want. And so you can set the compliance standards that we will make happen. Uh, and then ultimately, you're going to be in an interchange agreement with that third party. So that is um, laying out just kind of a standard rental agreement that um, you can bake your own maintenance policies or anything into. But we kind of have a standard one that most of our enterprise fleets are using as well. Um, and so then that is putting all of the onus and responsibility onto the renter from the time that they leave your property with that trailer. It's understood that they are responsible for that trailer. Um, if you have some sort of deal, you're large enough where you, you know, you can get a discount at a loves or a TA and you want to offer that. That's great. If not, the rental agreement states that it's their responsibility. They treat it like their trailer. Um, that goes into insurance as well. Um, trailer interchange coverage to match the value of the trailer. So if there's any um, any claims that are going to be larger than the deductible, that will be an insurance claim that we can kind of help connect all the parties and insurance groups together. Um, but all of this is living on our on our platform within like a very viewable um, 
reservation. And so you can constantly check in on, have they signed the rental agreement? Have they uploaded their insurance? And then when they leave with the trailer, they're required to do a check-in form where they do a pre-trip check, upload five photos of it. Um, so, they, you know, if you've got a flatbed and you see, hey, I've got all my straps, I've got my toolboxes and tarps, and then they bring it back and do a drop-off form and the the thing is missing four four straps, the toolboxes are wrecked. It's like, all right, well, we're going to be billing this person back for the losses on that. And so that's kind of the, um, the chain of custody management there. Um, so it's all just a much more verified way of doing things compared to trying to run a leasing company in-house off of a Google spreadsheet. Yeah. That, Cause that would have been my, my biggest fear is, you know, I know at least if it sits idle, it's, you know, it's on my farm, it's on my property, I can get eyes on it. But that's interesting because I didn't know that you can kind of have, you can kind of uh, gatekeep who's renting it. Because my biggest fear would be, you know, some criminal outfit out of Chicago, uh, you know, who, you know, runs, you know, shady and doesn't run logs or however, you know, they have a real team or however they're, they're doing it. And then they're renting my reefer or they're renting my flatbed. And then they go out there and they're getting overweight tickets or, you know, yeah, it comes back with this and it's just this trailer. So there's kind of a, a, a level of so the the person who owns the property can still give you like, hey, if this carrier, you know, I don't want to rent to carriers with based on this safer score. If they have less than these inspections, you can kind of bullet point who can who can rent it. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is repower is designed to where we're not necessarily um, going in and accepting or doing any of that. Like you are your manager of your equipment. Um, and so we're happy to assist. And if you give us, you know, permission to, to clear that we, we can, but ultimately like it is your call. And if, and if you want to run through all of those things, we have the resources to check that for you and provide you that information. Uh, but no one can see where the trailer is. No one can see a trailer number or your address or anything like that till you have said yes to they can have the chance to rent it. Their payment has cleared and then that they've properly uploaded all of the insurance and signed the rental agreement and you've you've signed it and approved their insurance. So there's there's some steps and some um, like you said, some gatekeeping to hide even where the asset is or anything like that. It's not all revealed until finally um, they have all of that in place and you've declared that this is a safe person to rent to. Awesome. So, I mean, that goes right into customer experience. You know, it's huge. It's big, like in, when in, in the freight world, there's a lot of issues with, I think, uh, customer service, customer experience, even at the point, I mean, we have carriers out there that operate with dispatches or with dispatchers who are in foreign countries there's a lot of miscommunications. We hear the horror stories of check calls. I mean, I did loads for JB Hunt. I'll get check calls at 2 a.m. from some guy in the Philippines and stuff like that. But it seems like you guys have created a positive customer experience for people. Um, and I kind of, I, I was just, and I kind of want to ask, like, do you have any specific kind of, do you have a, do you have a standard for kind of the customer experience, like a kind of a, a, a process you go through with, you know, with, with your customers to either keep them engaged, keep them with you. And then do you have any, you have any good success stories out there from a customer who kind of talks you up and have any nightmares come your way yet? Have any, have you had any issues with accidents, overweight tickets and kind of how have you, 
you know, saw, navigated those problems of, you know, any of the regulatory, any things on the regulatory landscape or just, yeah, how do you kind of corral your, your customers' overall experience? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll take the, the renter side and I'll lob the supplier side to Pat just because uh, to all the repower, potential repower renters, I, uh, I run our Pacific Mountain and um, West, South, Central. So like Texas, Louisiana, Missouri, like kind of up to Oklahoma and Kansas. And so I see all of our trailers that are under rent and who has them and when they're dropping off and where they're dropping off. And probably about, you know, five, six days out, I'll, I'll pick up the phone and call that person. I'll say, hey, I see you're dropping off in uh, Seagullville, Texas. Uh, what's your plan? What do you want to do? Do you want to continue renting this trailer? Do you want another trailer? I've got one that is 30 miles down the road. Um, let's go ahead and set up that rental now so that you can have a clean pickup immediately. Um, and so we're, we're kind of trying to educate our renters on, you know, how to best utilize repower and, you know, especially for power only carriers, you know, harping on, we have a trailer for you. We will have a trailer for you wherever you're dropping. Uh, and so, you know, we, we quickly fall into kind of helping them initially for the first few reservations, kind of learning, uh, operating that learning curve of repower, figuring out how to do pickup drop-off forms, how to search the website for their next trailer and see their opportunities that are coming up. Um, and then as well, whenever, whenever we need to, um, and whenever we can, we're, we're picking up the phone and finding new renters in those regions. And so I'm calling, calling users that may have never reserved that just heard about repower signed up on a whim. And I'm like, Hey, do you actually have a truck in California that needs a trailer? Um, I can help you. I've got hundreds of trailers in Stockton, California right now. Uh, actually, if anybody needs a trailer in California, call me. Right, um, right now. Right now. At, at, a, at about 1230 Eastern time, call me. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the the, the renter experience is something that uh, that we're huge on. We, we care deeply about our drivers and want a very positive experience. Obviously, stuff happens and trailers can be late at times and we try to our best to have a, a human approach to that and um, we realize that our drivers are what help keep these trailers moving. Um, they're, the drivers are providing a service to the owners of the trailer by moving it from point A to point B. And so we, we care deeply and try to help educate and care for them as best we can, as early as we can, so that they can be self-sustaining. Um, you know, you don't have to call an Airbnb rep to book a house if you want or anything like that. And so that's a big goal um, of us is, is the early education um, explaining fully how to use it. Um, so Pat, you want to tackle kind of what we do with suppliers and their success? Yeah. So like uh, you mentioned like the 12 trailer, uh, you know, company earlier and they want to, they have some sitting equipment. There's the cool thing about what we get to do and that I enjoy the most is like, there are so many different use cases for how you can use repower. You can look at repower just like that. Hey, I just want to generate money. But the other side of it is like, what about could these, if these trailers were in a different market or do you have a brokerage side that, you know, you can start calling on shippers to build drop trailer programs and just expand your business. Cause every time one of these trailers gets reserved, you're the one accepting it. You see who that carrier is. And it's a chance to start growing your network of drivers and 
just kind of building out your network so that you can grow your business um, outside of just making money um, from if you're looking at power only carriers and how they utilize our platform. You know, they could be working with JB Hunt today and then tomorrow they go over to a, uh, you know, C.H. Robinson and then they go over to Nolan Transportation and they're or DAT board. They're just all over these boards looking for the right opportunity. So you take a J.B. Hunt power only load to Washington State. You drop off the trailer with the load. Now you're stuck there in Washington State saying, what's next? Well, I'm going to hop on these load boards, see if there's another power only because I don't have a trailer. Now you can hop into repower open up more options to say, maybe there's a live load that I can grab a repower trailer, get me back into a better market and then get back into power only. Um, or there's a project that, you know, this happens all the time. Brokers will be calling carriers saying, hey, I've got an opportunity. I need 10 trailers, dedicated lane, yada, yada, yada. And the, the driver, the carriers might say, I've got four trailers. I don't have 10. Well, now they can tap into repower and start building that on-demand trailer pool to get an opportunity that normally they wouldn't have the opportunity at. Um, and so I think kind of like what Tucker mentioned at the beginning or at the end was like really educating. You know, the moment somebody signs on, we want them to understand how the product works because it's different. It's, it's very different from, you know, the regular way of acquiring and getting equipment. And we want to show them the process from the inspection forms to either you can purchase our insurance while you're using the trailer on the website or you can bring your own and here's what that would look like. And we want to show them similar to freight. Once you drop off in Texas, you're looking for another load in Texas. Once you drop off a trailer in Texas, we have trailers right there nearby that we can, you know, provide you. And it's your, your, your choice essentially to say, Hey, do I need a trailer or am I going to go do this power only load here? But really just opening up the opportunities. And from a supplier standpoint, I think the success that we found there is, you know, these companies, I think FedEx spent, uh, you know, $450 million in 2021, something ridiculous, uh, just rebalancing their trailer pools. And it's been cool to see just the amount of, uh, you know, money that companies have been able to generate on those, on those assets and getting them rebalanced with repower, but also helping the people who need those assets to run their business. And it's benefiting both parties. So not only turning up, you know, expense into revenue for a supplier, but also helping out that driver and moving more freight throughout the market has been really cool to see and watching them play together. And, um, you know, lastly, you know, a lot of our suppliers, they open us up to their asset light side. And just by making trailers accessible, it, it opens up more value and opportunities for those third-party carriers to be able to move more of their freight, to be able to, even if they're not working with their freight, they're still pulling their trailer and, and paying them to utilize that trailer and staying within their network. And so I think there's a lot of really cool case studies that we've seen and just the success, you know, we want to service the trailer. The trailer is, is critically important. And if we take care of the trailer, and we do it the right way and we take care of our drivers and ask the right questions and how they are looking to grow and build their business, what kind of business they operate. And we build that profile. We can really provide them a sustainable, um, you know, business model, as well as eliminate a lot of the underutilized trailers and waste that exists in our market. Um, and so, you know, overall, there's been a lot of really cool case studies, but 
uh, it's been fun getting to build it in here and being able to operate in different, you know, market situations from the best market to the worst and seeing how we've been able to continue our growth with our users as they grow. I'd say the, the coolest thing that I'm kind of just, you know, toying around with in, in my thoughts is the fact that your company can, it, it, it's helping out, you, you know, I, Tucker had spoke to me last night that you guys work with PAM Transport. So you work with larger fleets, but right all the way down to the fact that this, you've just opened up, like, you know, if you think of the, you know, if you think of it as a pie graph, you just open up another like quadrant, so to speak, for the smallest motor carrier, for a single truck, um, you know, power only operator who's out there, who's, who's doing this, that my first load was technically a power only load I did on the JB hunt load board. And if I had known about repower, I mean, just with when, when I had my truck, it could, it would have been probably a way better experience. If I was, if I had known this information, then there's ways I could have maybe cash flowed a little bit better from doing those, those early onset loads. So even down to the small one truck guy, because for the most part, when I was especially learning about becoming an owner operator, like a lot of people said like, Oh yeah, you can do power only, you know, and there's a couple of guys on YouTube who talk about like good markets to be in for it, but it's still really hard. And it's almost a gamble at the end of the day when it comes to power only. And then even, or there's a lot of people who talk about, you know, and I understand Amazon relay exists, which is a, which is essentially based of a power only, but that's, you know, that there's no, there's no real money in that at, at the end of the day, but this, there's a whole other quadrant you just opened up to the, to the smallest players in the market. Uh, and, and it's also, you've kind of lowered a barrier to entry of, you know, cause at the end of the day, a trailer could be a 20,000, 20, $25,000 investment, depending on the type of trailer. And that's, um, that's either money that is hard to come by, or it's, if it's another overhead, it's another, it's another, part on your balance sheet that you got to pay monthly. That's just not, might not be worth it, especially in today's current market. And I think that that's the, the best thing for, for is, is who is how you don't just serve one customer. There's, there's essentially hundreds you work with. Absolutely. But, but yeah. And so kind of, kind of, kind of wrap things, you know, bring, bring everything full circle. Uh, I mean, you're, you're doing great. Everything's go, going well. But and and I know and I don't want to you don't have to give away any trade secrets. But when I'm thinking about like say say I'm in your shoes and I'm thinking about Repower's future plans or or expansion, I you know I I wonder what what are your future plans? Do you have any goals for expanding your services? Are there any specific markets or regions you're looking at for growth? Are you looking at possibly ever? And this is probably really hard and it's muddy waters. But is our, our power units that is something on, on your radar, our actual tractors? Are you kind of sticking with just the trailers? But, yeah, what's the overall future look like for for repower? You know, we've uh, we've we've messed around a little bit with power units. Um, those can be those can be tough. There's a lot of different things that can happen. They're expensive. And so we've done a little bit here and there. But really, you know, the main focus for us today is around that trailing asset, uh, AKA the semi-trailer. And, you know, the reason why is because there's millions and millions of shipments that are being moved every single day. And 80% of those, if not more, are on a trailer at some point. And so we want to continue to build out that, you know, the universal trailer network and this trailer sharing marketplace um, and build collaboration around that. But 
you know, we are looking to continue to diversify our equipment offerings, but we want to do it with the right groups and, uh, you know, make sure that we have the network to support and grow those divisions. So really identifying the right partners to do that. I think intermodal is something that we've been, uh, you know, tapping our feet in the water on and something we want to continue to learn more about. We have some chassis on the platform, but I think there's a great opportunity there in terms of like geography. We do stuff in Canada. Um, we work with uh, a, a decent amount of customers up there. And then as well as Mexico, we've seen a ton of growth out of Mexico here lately. And I think we'll continue to see that. So learning more about that and some of our partners that are working there um, and so, yeah, just continuing to diversify our equipment offering, uh, expand our geography. And, uh, you know, essentially, we, we believe that trailer networks and equipment fluidity will free up available capacity in the market and in overall increase utilization of this equipment and reduce a lot of these violent market swings that we continue to see. And so just continuing to streamline the efforts to make these trailers accessible and, uh, you know, hopefully one day have every trailer flow through the repower platform. That's kind of the overall goal at the end of the day. Oh, that, that that's awesome. I can tell you. So when it comes to regions, yeah, there uh, I'd predict that some of your best days could be ahead with 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 nearshoring coming to, to Mexico. I mean, you're talking about there's going to be a lot more trailers that are going to be coming over the border and and beyond, you know, those trailers. I mean. I'll tell you, when I worked at Pam, I mean, that's that's exactly that's essential, uh, Pam Transport. I know there are customer years. I mean, that's those were common loads. I would bring something back to Laredo that would get then taken over to Mexico. And then they just brought trailers. I mean, they they got a whole yard in Laredo of just stuff that just comes over the board. And I mean, and that's about to quadruple with the four new bridges, the expansion of the World Trade Bridge. So kind of those are those are the regions probably looking to load on your end. Absolutely. And I think a lot of the way to get there is, you know, really focusing in on our integrations with our strategic partners, whether it be like telematics or TMS, uh, you know, just getting deeper with our existing customers, um, understanding how they're looking at the future uh, network expansion with different uh, supply chain parties, like whether it's a brokerage and OEM, um, you know, other players in the market. Uh, continue to build out our digital like infrastructure. We have some access to drop yards, but I love what uh, truck parking clubs doing. Uh, I think that we, that could be a potential partner down the road because we see, you know, trailers moving a lot quicker than 30, 60 days, but we we're starting to see them moving uh, a trailer by a load and like, you know, one, two, three days, four days, five days. And so I think we'll continue to see that. And I think being able to have that infrastructure will be important. And then just, you know, diversifying our equipment and geography, grow our usage base insurance, and then just increase our market share of, you know, trailers flowing through repower. And, you know, like Tucker mentioned early in the program, you know, we're, we're consuming a lot of data and we want to be very strategic with how we use that data and how we, um, you know, share, be careful how we share that data, but it can, if we do it the correct way, it can help everybody. And that's what we're after. We're not touching any of the freight. We're just helping people run a more uh, efficient business and we want to help everybody grow in the supply chain. So that's our, that's our end all be all goal. 
No, I love it. If it's anything we need more, we need more guys like you and Tucker, uh, you know, you and Tucker out here solving problems instead of creating more, more of them. It's very, very well said. And I guess, you know, just to, if you got, if you got time for just a, so just one more and Tucker, I know you're not necessarily uh, probably an entrepreneur yet, but you work with a newer company and you know, this is always something I like, cause I like to keep this show, you know, we talk, we talk all sorts of broad topics on this show, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm somebody who's trying to grow a brand who started a business before. And uh, I'm always encouraging people to always, you know, take risks and bet on themselves. What's, what's kind of some of your advice, you know, and this is a question for both of you, but what, what is your advice for people out there who are aspiring? Tucker, we talk to people who want to start businesses. A lot of people in the freight tech space on the lost freight discord and Patrick, you've gotten this thing off the ground. What, you know, what's, what is your advice for an aspiring entrepreneur? You know, what, what advice would you tell people right now, whether it's freight tech or anything or anything? For me, you want me to answer first? Yeah, you can, you can kick it off. I mean, first off, I, I appreciate Tucker for taking a risk and believing in, in Spencer and I. Um, you know, at the time he came on, it, we didn't have much to show. And he believed in us and believed in what we were going after with knowing very little in the industry. And, you know, I think what's so, so cool that Tucker has been doing, whether it's in the Discord and just he's started to really connect with other uh, you know, transportation players in the industry like yourself and, you know, just learning and consuming and um, he's sharing podcasts all the time. And, you know, this is somebody without a transportation background. And I think we were talking the other day, I was, he was like, I don't know what else I would do if I wasn't in logistics and supply chain. And I found myself in that situation when I left my first company, I was like, I want back in. It's, there's something about it. Um, and so I think it's been awesome. And I, I, I just appreciate Tucker more than he knows uh, for believing in us and, you know, taking the risk with us because it, it was a risky chance at the time. And um, so for for anybody out there, I think just putting yourself out there, uh, connecting with people, asking questions, being vulnerable. And, um, you know, we don't know everything. You know, we always like to think we know everything, but there's still a lot to learn. So continue to learn. Uh, research and just at the end of the day, you know, what is scarier to you? It is it you know, failing or is it saying, man, what could have happened? And that's something that always brings me back. And I think that what really helped Spencer and I is, you know, your brain and mindset and how you look at your life and how you look, how you think. Um, there's a lot of negativity in the world and there's a lot of negative uh, you know, feedback and things and being told no. And, you know, I think it's important to surround yourself with the right people that, you know, will continue to find the positives uh, with you. Um, you want to surround yourself with as many people like that as you can and, you know, feed your brain with positive, you know, thoughts, podcasts, um, and just things that consume your brain outside of the negative world that we've kind of now been living in. Uh, with social media and stuff like that, but there's a lot of good things going on as well. And so I think your mindset, your brain, what you're putting in there, positive thoughts, surrounding yourself with the right people and knowing that we only are here for a short amount of time. Um, you know, every day matters and, you know, don't waste it. Well yeah. said. Yeah. I, uh, I don't necessarily have any business ideas that I'm uh, running after right now, but I think getting to be a part of such an early stage company um, 
has really imparted on me and as well as our time when we were, you know, part working in Brickyard, which is the, the company that wrote one of Repower's first checks, you know, it was a co-working space with other founders. And so I, from day one, I was surrounded by not only Pat and Spence, but, you know, 15 other companies that were being founded. And it's a, um, you know, not a founder myself, but being a part of it and understanding what it takes, having those, ha like having that tenacity kind of by osmosis or rubbing off, you know, onto you. It's like, it's not going to come easy. I think that starting a business was really flashy two, three years ago when money was free. Um, and, you know, you don't need necessarily VC money to go start a business. Um, but I think just if you have an idea that's important enough to you uh, and important enough to the people around you working as hard as you can and understanding that like it could take years for it to finally crack open. Um, but I think that's kind of what I've reflected on over my years here is just like, you know, the, the, the only easy day was yesterday. You're going to wake up and it's going to be very monotonous at times and mundane, um, but it's important. Uh, and realizing if it's just yourself and you truly believe in what you're doing is important, uh, that it's worth that time. Yeah, absolutely. I can't. And, it, and at the end of the day, and this isn't to discourage anybody, but not not everybody is going to be an entrepreneur because it's, you know, it, it's unrealistic to think that everybody's just going to own a business. Then where would other people get jobs, so to speak? But when it comes to but there are still a lot of people with entrepreneurial spirit and knowledge, just like Tucker and Tucker obviously has a belief. He believed in you, Patrick, believed in repower. So we're not everybody can is going to necessarily be the entrepreneur or have the idea. What also what people should also be aspiring to be because it'll make the world a better place, makes the working environment a better place, is wanting to be a fe uh, and a fellow and I've and I've and I'm kind of stealing this from from Andy for a bit, but wanting to be a good entrepreneur, being a part of why that business goes to the next level, like you know, show, like go, going above and beyond. Obviously, we all get you know you want to get a paycheck at the end of the day, but you got to realize that, especially when you work for a company like Repower or you have skin in the game where you know and you took a leap of faith to work with a newer company, when you kind of excel and you treat it as if it's also your business, because at the end of the day, if it fails, you're out of a job anyways. But if somebody who comes in early on to a business or is helping a friend, if you also treat it as yours, like, you know, you're on the line and you become that good entrepreneur, that's going to also get you ahead in your career and just in overall your career. So that's, that's really well said, but um, I can't appreciate you guys enough. If you want to hang out in the lobby right after we can do a little debrief and I'll, and I'll walk the show out, but if there's anything else you want to lay on the track, I want to thank you both for, for coming on. This is a, I've been looking forward to this one because I'm a big fan of you guys and I know, and you're doing, you're solving problems. You're not causing. Well, thank you. Thank you for having us on. Yeah. Greatly appreciate the opportunity. Enjoyed it. Absolutely. And we'll be and we'll be keeping in touch with you and uh, we'll chat soon. But, yeah, just hang out for a couple minutes and I'll walk this home. All right. See you in a sec. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Thank you all once again for tuning in. Episode 109. That's Repower. If you're interested in anything of what Repower does or more information, you can go to R-E-P-O-W-R dot com, Repower dot com. So if you're a small carrier out there or you're somebody who's looking to buy a truck and you can't really afford a trailer, or you are a fleet owner, or you have trailers, you know, sitting around being unused. Uh, they're a resource to go.
biggest takeaway from that conversation, once again, they're problem solvers. They're looking at eliminating issues that are going on in the supply chain and how and how and why that that's an important thing. So I uh, appreciate you all once again for tuning in. Got a lot more to come. Any And, and we, want, we want more stories like this from people like Repower. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. And, when, and you heard it right from Patrick himself. Who you surround yourself with is very important. If you are surrounding yourself with people who are uh, essentially amounting to nothing, whatever, my dad used to tell me this all the time. You, you hang around with scumbags, you're gonna wind, how are you going to think you're going to wind up? You hang out with millionaires, what's, what's going to happen at the end of the day? So who you hang out around with has a direct purpose. And the conversations you're having are big too. And this was on the episode of The Sopranos last night, but Tony Soprano said it that, remember when is the lowest form of conversation. Always talking about remember when, you know, talking about the good old days. And I said this at the beginning of the year, the good old days, the past. You have to be living in right now. You have to be living in what's currently going on. These are the good old days. You have to make them. You have to speak that. You have to live it. You have to do it every day. And if the people around you aren't doing that, if they're always saying remember when, well, guess what? That's all you're going to be living in for the rest of your life. But I'll leave you with that one. Take care. More to come. Very excited. 2024 is off to a nice hot start. We're doing nothing but we're doing nothing but good things. It's going to be it's going to be a great year for me, you and everybody else out there. Once again, if you're a driver, you want to come on. I need your story. We need to keep getting your stories out there. We got a lot of action going on. We got a lot we want to do this year. So come on and talk. Anybody else? You know where to find me everywhere. I'm at Lombard Trucking. But with that, we're going to take it back to the bench. Take care.